In several caves in the Judean desert, a treasure trove of ancient documents remains securely hidden for nearly 2,000 years. Of great importance to both Christians and Jews, what can we learn from the Dead Sea Scrolls? They're important to us because they are older than any other manuscripts of the Old Testament. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. As the story goes, in 1947, a shepherd boy looking for lost sheep in the hillsides surrounding the Dead Sea stumbled across ancient scrolls in clay pots hidden in a cave. Little did he know the significance of what he had just discovered. Join us for the next 15 minutes as we learn about the Dead Sea Scrolls and their historic importance as biblical manuscripts. We'll also hear from a scholar who reconstructed many pages of the ancient documents and who worked on translating the Dead Sea Scrolls into English. So what makes the Dead Sea Scrolls such a major archaeological find? Dr. Richard Fales is a biblical archaeologist and author of the book Koine Greek. The Dead Sea Scrolls are manuscripts that were found in a place called Qumran on the Dead Sea, on the northwest corner of the Dead Sea. They're important to us because they are older than any other manuscripts of the Old Testament. The manuscripts themselves, the oldest Old Testament copy that we had to use to translate with, comes from the time of about 1000 A.D. The manuscripts that came from the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea Scrolls, those manuscripts went back as far as 250 B.C. and would end at a date of about 50 A.D. Not only did the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls give us biblical manuscripts that dated closer to the time of the original writings, but as ICR Museum of Earth History curator Cindy Carlson explains, these ancient documents are practically identical to 10th century A.D. copies, even though they were written a thousand years earlier. The Dead Sea Scrolls showed us that the Bible text that we know as the Old Testament is an accurate rendering of the writer's scriptures. As they wrote them down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it testifies to the accuracy of the Bible that we have. There are a few copyist errors, but the words, for instance, with Isaiah, which is our most complete scroll of the Dead Sea Scroll, it's word for word accurate in 95% of the text, and the 5% of the text that's not exactly the same is spelling differences and just small little copyist mistakes. So no major word. The only word difference was the word light that had been added in one verse. So that is just amazing over a thousand years to have that accurate of copy. And this kind of accuracy between the manuscripts helped to quell rumors of fraudulent historic writings. One of the other things that I think is very interesting is there are a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament. And so before the Dead Sea Scrolls, the skeptics had said that especially Isaiah and Daniel, with all their precise prophecies about the future and about the Messiah, had to have been written later, even while the events were happening, and then put back in those books as if they were written by Isaiah and Daniel. And, in fact, the Dead Sea Scrolls showed that that was not true, that these books were actually written by the writers as they had said they were the writers. Primarily, for instance, with Daniel, it's a different Aramaic than they were using in the time the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, so they knew it was much more ancient. 
So that testified to Daniel actually lighting those prophecies that then actually came true. So one of the arguments for the inspiration of Scripture is prophecy. The few dozen complete scrolls and the thousands of fragments that were found less than a mile north of the Dead Sea in Israel were discovered in 11 different caves between 1947 and 1956. 30% of the ancient documents were copies of Scripture. But what about the other 70%? Dr. Fales gives us a rundown on what was found in these caves. Let me tell you what the Dead Sea Scrolls actually contained. It contained the Old Testament. It contained commentaries that were written back in the time period of Jesus and before. It contained a series of documents called the Pseudepigrapha. Those are the false writings that were used to try to infiltrate the Old Testament and didn't make it. There's also the Old Testament Apocrypha that was found there. There was a treasure map that was found in the case, which was done on copper. Dr. Martin Abegg is professor and director of Dead Sea Scrolls Studies at Trinity Western University in Canada. He says the non-biblical scrolls do not give us much insight into events that were happening at the time of their writing. I suppose to some degree they are historical documents, but they don't have much history in them. This was a religious group, and they were more interested in the study of the biblical text, quite a conservative Jewish group. Uh, there, all of their materials involved the Hebrew Bible in some way, shape, or form. So we have legal discussions. There are hymn books. There, there are prayers. There are documents that detail quite carefully how one joined this community and the uh, statement of faith, as it were. But very, very few what we might call historical documents that would uh, mention actual details of the time, people and events, that sort of thing. There are hundreds of names mentioned in the scrolls, but there are only about a dozen that can be tied directly to the time period where they lived. Most of the names are biblical, you know, David and Moses and that sort of thing. So a, uh, a library that uh, probably would parallel most pastors' libraries. We have commentaries and that sort of thing. But why were these scrolls hidden away in high cliff caves in the first place? Dr. Fales says they were stashed away for safety because of the war between Rome and the Jews, in which Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. Just prior to the attack on Jerusalem by Vespasian's son, Titus, there were manuscripts that needed to be protected. Probably all of the synagogues, and every one of them did, have a copy of the Old Testament. So all of them were gathered up, and they were taken out to the Dead Sea, and they were stashed in the caves. And there was two different sites called Qumran. Qumran is a wadi, a dried up river, and there are 11 caves there, and this is where the manuscripts were hidden from the Romans, because we know in the, even in the writings of Josephus that the Romans had at other times had destroyed some of the manuscripts, and after the Jewish war was over, there were others that were taken back to Rome as a trophy. Up until the early 1990s, the Dead Sea Scrolls weren't available for scholars to study. Dr. Abegg played a major part in getting the documents released so that others could examine the ancient manuscripts. He did this by reconstructing pages and pages of the Dead Sea Scrolls from a partial concordance made available to him. I began looking at it for my dissertation and realized that I could reconstruct things that I needed to see because a concordance is just a list of words with context. Anyone that uses uh, Strong's Concordance to the King James Bible knows just exactly how that works. And so I reconstructed documents, and one thing led to another. Pretty soon I had about 100 pages of reconstructions, and I took them to my professor, and he suggested that 
We needed to publish this material because others needed to see it. So that led to a publication in the fall of 91, which then a series of events actually that fall, pictures became available from another source. And it was fairly obvious the Israel antiquities needed to make a decision as to what to do with the scrolls, which at that time many of them were still held quite in secret, and they decided to release the materials. And from that time on, from the fall of 91, the materials have been available to all scholars, so we all have access to them. Since then, Dr. Abag and his colleagues have been translating the scrolls into English and have completed and published the translation of all the non-biblical scrolls and all of the biblical scrolls except for Isaiah, which should be published within the next two years. Dr. Abeg says both religious and non-religious people are attracted to the scrolls. I think the scrolls really do uh, strike a nerve, as it were, because, first of all, certainly there are biblical materials here, and we're talking about a religious community, and that really taps into the Jewish public and certainly the Christian public, those of us that are naturally interested in things biblical or religious, But on the other side of things, last fall, the scrolls were in uh, Seattle. Seattle is a relatively liberal community as a whole. Certainly there are a large number of evangelical Christians there and Orthodox Jews, but by and large the community is quite liberal. On the other hand, it was uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, the prior visit, and that's the headquarters for Billy Graham's Enterprises, very conservative Christian fundamental community there. Seattle actually did better in their attendance than Charlotte, which Charlotte broke attendance records for the museum there. So it doesn't seem to matter whether it is a biblical community or a liberal community, non-religious community. So it really is of interest to a very, very broad public. And the exhibition has set records no matter where it goes. Through the end of 2007, the Dead Sea Scrolls will be on exhibit at the San Diego Natural History Museum. And on a smaller scale, ICR's Creation Museum is displaying a replica of the Isaiah Scroll along with pictures and information about the ancient documents. But what is the importance of actually seeing the scrolls? Does this build the faith of the public? The Jews would say, is the find of the scrolls in Israel going to bring nominal Jews back to the faith? You know, and and we as Christians ask, is this going to bring people to faith in Jesus? Personally, I don't think the scrolls themselves are going to create that kind of result. I think that what we should take advantage of here, those people that are Christians that are in uh, San Diego right now, you should use this as an opportunity to take their friends and neighbors to see the scrolls. You know, I don't think the scrolls themselves will uh, convince anyone, but you know, getting to know your neighbor who's a Christian and talking about things biblical and how they point to Jesus as the Messiah, that's where I think the importance is and where the positive results will come. Cindy Carlson would agree and says the Dead Sea Scrolls can be used to point people to the Creator because of the accuracy of biblical prophecies concerning Christ. How did the Old Testament scriptures testify of Jesus? Well, It said that the Messiah would be a descendant of David and be born in the town of Bethlehem. And that's found in Jeremiah 23.5 and Micah 5.2. It testified that the Jews of his time would reject him. And that's found in Psalm 118.22. And it said that he would be betrayed by a close friend. And that is found in Psalm 41.9. And it said that he would die with criminals. And that's found in Isaiah 53 verses 9 and 12. And there's 
over a hundred more things that are prophesied about Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. So this brings us to the point where we need to do something with Jesus Christ. The Dead Sea Scrolls testify that the Old Testament scriptures are reliable. The Old Testament scriptures testify that Jesus is the Messiah. So we need to think about what we're going to do with that information. And when Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't for his own sin. You know, the Bible says Jesus didn't do one thing in rebellion to God, which is sin. And so when he went to the cross, he died for the sin of the whole world. And that's so that he could freely give eternal life to everyone who gives up control of their own life and receives him as creator and Lord. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.